everyone. This is Jen. And this is Dom. And you're listening to 99% Chance of Wine and Murder. We're back. After a two-week break. (laughs) It seems like a lot longer than that. I know. This is going to be episode five, which is very exciting. Yes. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's been so long. It has. It has. How was uh, your Halloween? Oh, okay. <laughs> I still have the scars on my knees, okay? <laughs> I'm legit. You can feel my knee right now. We went to a Halloween party. I got flocked. <laughs> I couldn't even throw up in the toilet. I threw up on myself. I, I took care of her that night. I got her home, I should say. Yeah, she got me home, and did you get me undressed, or did I undress myself? You undressed yourself. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Saves me some embarrassment. <laughs> oh, I took care of your dogs, and it was fine. The whole next day, I could barely move. I was not fine. <laughs> I threw up until, like, 3 o'clock the next day. <laughs> you know it's a good party when. <laughs> um, I also, on Halloween, took my kids trick-or-treating, and... Just so everyone knows, they have the best costumes. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, my oldest was a Lego man, which was really cool. And I dressed my youngest as Chucky. <laughs> and it was really funny because he was like running around our house with like this big plastic knife I got him, yelling, I am Chucky, I am Chucky. And I thought it was really funny. Every other person was like, I'm scared of your child now. Yeah, like but, that's creepy as shit. But I thought it was fucking hilarious. When I saw him, I was like, what? the hell happened <laughs> <laughs> this cute little boy is so like i need to evil, go home now <laughs> yeah an evil doll it was funny he he played the part well he did yeah he's cute and for his first time trick-or-treating he loved it and we have so much candy yeah i just ate all of it <laughs> like record-breaking like seven chocolate bars in two minutes yeah <laughs> It's yeah, delicious because this is the greatest time of year for adults because you get to take your kids candy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Right, should we talk about some murders? Yes. Okay. I think it might be my turn to go first. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay, so mine are called the Good Heart Murders. Ooh. And it happened in Michigan. So in the summer of 1968, Richard Robinson and his wife Shirley from the Lathrop Village in Detroit, took their four kids to their holiday cabin on Lake Michigan in Good... It was in Good Heart. Okay. Um, so they decided... They always went there every summer and spent the whole summer there. But just weeks into their holiday, um, horror came to the door when all six of them were brutally murdered. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and it was by someone who... Like, it was a gunman who was able to use the seclusion of this area to Mm -hmm. get away and no one saw any heard anything saw anything nothing that's sad the worst part is that the robinsons were dead for almost a month before they were even discovered oh gross yes so so there's people in neighboring cabins who started to smell like a foul odor they didn't i obviously didn't realize it was like decaying bodies so they called the caretaker, whose name was Chansey Bliss, but he is the one who built all the cabins on this lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went over there to check it out and kind of thought, like, maybe it was, like, a dead animal that got, like, like 
got into the house and like got stuck and then died. And then when he came in, it was just like a bloodbath, like all oh. of the, and like decaying bodies, right? Because I mean, it's been four weeks since they were murdered. That would be so bad. Yeah, so then when the police came, um, they were able to um, estimate that because of the conditions of the body, they were killed four weeks before the discovery. So placing the date of the murders on June 25th, 1968. Um, so because their bodies had been there for four weeks, um, a lot of the evidence was like gone. Was pretty much gone, and it was in 1968, so like a lot of advancements in technology um, weren't there yet, um, and so, I mean, they couldn't even, like, tell if there's any, like, sexual assault or, you know, anything at all. They, they were able to determine the cause of death, but, again, it was hard. It took quite some time for them to do it, and I mean, so, like, basically, they're saying, like, if the murders had been done in today's age, yeah, they probably would have been able to catch the killer. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, I should mention that it's still unsolved. I fucking hate you. <laughs> 50 years later. Except they have someone who they think did it, but they can't prove it. Really? Yeah. So, a little bit about the family. So, at, um, at the time of his death, Richard was 42 years old, um, and he had done really well for himself. He was an advertising executive who owned a magazine called Empresario. <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to emphasize yeah. that. Yeah. Because it's like fancy. So he had a pretty good income, and his wife was 40, and she was a, a, just a, like she was a housewife, mm -hmm. so she took care of the home and the family. And their children were 19-year-old Richie, 16-year-old Gary, 12-year-old Randall, and 7-year-old Susan. Hmm. Um, and they, like I said, they spent most of their, their summers in Goodhart and at their cabin. Right. Um, so all six members of the family had been shot using two different weapons, and two members, which was Richard and their young daughter Susan, the seven-year-old, had been beaten with a heavy, blunt object, which That's they so think sad. was most likely yeah, a hammer. Ugh, that gave me chills. So they also called us, which is why I was so intrigued when I looked into this murder, they called it The Real Life Strangers. Oh, love that movie. Yeah, scariest movie ever. Um, because there was a shattered front window, which suggested that the, the first shots came from like outside and they hit, they think they hit Richard first. Oh, and to then, kind of take him out. Yeah. And then the gunman like came in the house afterwards and kind of took everybody else out. Creepy. Right? Um, <clears throat> so basically for police, their first task was to investigate any reason why the Robinson family may have been a target. Um, they think that the dad was, like, the main target of this whole thing. Um, but again, they, they kind of looked at it and were like, well, if he was the main target, why wasn't he just killed, and why was... The entire the family because slaughtered? Yeah, exactly, because there's a difference between killing one person and then killing six plus four, you know, with yeah, children. Yeah, for sure. So, in the media, like, Richard was portrayed as, like, a wealthy father and husband, but there have been suggestions that he had underhand dealings in his company, which were not exactly in the best interest of his clients, kind of more of his own. Oh, okay. Um, and then some shady liaisons with secretaries within his company and a possible background of mental illness, although they can't actually verify any of this. Because it's just of the, speculation. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... 
whether or not he had done all of these things, like, whoever did it obviously had a huge hate on for him yeah. and his family if they were incapable of murdering all of them. And, I mean, you know, if they just, it, it, it's, if they, what happened, what they said happened is if this person shot these people or Richard first from outside the window, like, why did he have to come in the cabin and murder everybody else? Yeah, they could have just left. If they just wanted to kill Richard, he could have just shot him and, mm-hmm. like, ran away, right? So their main suspect was Joseph, was 30-year-old Joseph Scolario. Um, he worked with Richard Robinson. He was a staff member who police had discovered was embezzling money from the magazine um, and his boss during the time that the family was away on oh. holidays. And it was almost a total of $60,000 that he Jesus. took. Yeah. So with little to go on um, about why this family may have been murdered, that was the only lead impossible motive that the police had at that time. Right. Um, so they think that Robinson found, found out about it, like someone called him and like told him about, the, about this um, while he was at the cabin. So I guess evidence found that multiple phone calls between Richard and this Joseph guy on the morning of the murder. So they think that Richard called him to like confront him mm-hmm. about it. And they think that um, Joseph had driven out to the cabin and killed the family before he could, Richard like, tell could, anybody. Yeah, Richard could call the police or that would be pretty plausible. Yeah. Um, so it is believed that from the time of the last phone call between the two that Joseph had time to drive out to the Goodhart cabin and carry out the murders because he did not have a solid alibi for the time, hmm. like for that time period. So according um, to police, he said that he was at a plumbing convention and spoke with a number of clients that day, although no one can actually bear that he was there. What the fuck? Yeah, so they, they like, asked the people who attended this convention. And they're like, Why would no, you I... lie at such a big conference like that? Well, like, they're obviously going to check. Well, at least say you're, like, at home or something. Fucking yeah, idiot. well, exactly. And I guess he failed two lie detector tests and gave inconclusive results on a third one. Wow. Um, so they found shell casings and a bloody footprint um, that they found thought was left behind by the killer and a brand new pair of shoes that were the exact same as and matched the footprint were found at Joseph's house but mm-hmm. I mean they were brand new so they can't prove that those were the shoes that were there although they had the same footprint which means he probably went out and bought a new pair and threw out the other ones creepy so yeah you know and like a gun that he had owned was similar, but didn't was an exact match to. But I, he probably disposed of the weapons, mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah, for sure. But he was smart. Yeah, I mean. So basically, I mean, even though they had all of this evidence, it was a bit circumstantial, so they could never actually like get a warrant to arrest this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had no one else that they had even suspected for more than five years. But they kept the case open and continued to work on it. And they worked with both the police in Emmett County, where the crime took place, and Oakland County, where the Robinsons live. So they like had all arms on deck kind of thing. Um, so the murders were still... Um, so the investigation into the murders were still ongoing during 1973. 
um, and it was becoming known to the public that Joe was their main suspect. Ooh. So on March, 19, March 8th, 1973, police were called to his office block where they found his body dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, which obviously he did it. And then he, he, I guess, left a suicide note behind saying that he did not kill that family. He didn't know who did. Now I want to know. Why did you kill yourself? See, this is the problem, Jen. Now I want to know. Well, now he's dead, so they can't actually, so it still remains open. I hate that shit. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, he was a prime suspect still, and still is. But again, no other, like, no charges have been able to be brought against him. And, That's so you know, sad. with his death, there's still, like, a lot of unanswered questions. And people had other theories out there as well who they thought maybe could have done it as well. Um, so they thought maybe that that caretaker who found the bodies. Ooh. Um, although he was, like, a, apparently this really nice, calm man, I get, but he had lost his son in a motorcycle accident uh, that year. And I guess Richard wasn't, like, super nice about it. So he could have been, like, pissed off. Yeah. But, I mean, pissed off enough to kill the whole family. I don't know. I mean, who slaughters that many people for no reason, right? (laughs) Exactly. And they also thought that maybe another man, John Norman Collins, who was the, known as the Michigan murderer, um, because he... He committed a bunch of murders between 1967 and 1969, but they were all teenage girls who were abducted, beaten, and raped. So this just didn't really fit right. his MO. It would be pretty far off. Yeah. Like, it, how do you go from, like, having all of the same murder victims all of a sudden just being like, well, I just think I'll just kill a family. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then the other person they maybe thought... Uh, Oh, no, sorry. So they thought it was... They thought it was him because I guess he attended the same university as the oldest son. But again, like, that doesn't... That's, yeah. I mean, this is nothing. What about, like, the 800 other people that were there? <laughs> they could all be a murderer, too. Yeah, so basically that is what happened. And that is why it still remains unsolved to this day. That sucks. They still have the case open, though. Because I think... Um, I mean... If they still have that DNA somewhere, they could test it now. Because that's what they do with cold cases. Well, they should. I agree. It could already be closed now. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. That is crazy. And that's like a really creepy, like, ugh. Like, I don't want to go on any trips anytime soon now. I don't want to go to an isolated cabin. (laughs) Yeah. like Where someone can just murder me from outside and then, like, walk in and be like, hey... Yeah. Like, just shot into your cabin, so I'm going to kill the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, and that's not cool. No. Okay, my turn? Your turn. Okay. What makes an individual want to consume human flesh? Oh. <laughs> the casual opening there? Yeah. <laughs> to take that first bite of another human instead of the normal animal consumption. Cannibalism is seldom heard of due to it being extremely frowned upon, though those that do practice this keep to dark corners away from the public eye. It began thousands of years ago with the Netherlands... No, Neanderthals (laughs) and Homo sapiens. Although their consumption was strictly for nutritional interests, 
It was considered a very unsustainable method of food sourcing, so they began hunting animals. Obviously, because, I mean, you know, you can't just kill every neighbor. They don't regenerate then. You're like, shit, I'm hungry. (laughs) Throughout the 16th and 18th centuries this took place, there was documented cases of what is known as medicinal nutritional cannibalism. That of which the thought of consuming another's human remains would bestow greater life and that the human spirit can be ingested to gain power or just a preference and enjoyment of the taste. This is just one form of four different types of cannibalism. The second type is that of aggression cannibalism. You can probably tell by the name it is generally done following a fit of anger at the particular individual. By killing this individual and eating them, they maintain control and power over the said individual. The third is ritualistic cannibalism, mainly performed in groups such as cults or individuals such as Jeffrey Dahmer that believe that the consumption of another human being brings them powers or enhances their spirit. So kind of like the first one. Yeah. And finally, the fourth is sexual cannibalism, that of which killing killing and consuming human remains lends to a highly euphoric experience for the one committing the act, many times going hand in hand with necrophilia. In many reported circumstances of cannibalism, I know, so gross, (laughs) uh, they are known to have mental issues such as schizophrenia or considered to be Satanists. As gross as it is that there even has to be different types of cannibalism, it is even more odd to me that someone would even think about trying it out in the first place. I mean, do you just look at somebody and be like, oh, they look like that. That calf looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So gross. In the 1800s, there was one man by the name of Levi Boone Helm. Levi was born in Kentucky into what was known as a fairly normal family. Growing up, Helm seemed just like any other young man, but liked to get into fights and egg other men on to show off his strength and agility. At the young age of 20 years old, Helm married 17-year-old Lucinda Browning and had a daughter with her. Unfortunately, the marriage would not last long as his drinking and abusive tendencies became out of hand and Lucinda asked for a divorce. After the divorce went through, Helm decided to pick up his life and move to California where he could start over in the newly found gold rush that had boomed in the 1850s. Not wanting to go alone, he quickly convinced his cousin Littleberry Shute, what kind of name is that? To go with him. (laughs) What? The worst thing. I know. However, closer to the move, he backed out. This angered Helm, who stabbed his cousin to death in the chest. Helm fled for California when Littleberry's friends and brother came after him, capturing him and turning him into police. Unfortunately, due to his uncontrollable behavior, they made his damning decision to move Helm to an insane asylum where he could be more appropriately cared for by those better equipped. Helm quickly distanced himself from others, saying very little, but he befriended a guard who would take him for daily routine walks in the forest until he gained his trust and escaped one evening. Once again, on his way to California, many men met their fate when they came across Helm. He hid from justice by traveling with six men. He became closer with his companions enough to admit to previously consuming human flesh and multiple murders. He stated, Many is the poor devil I've killed at one time or another, and the time has been that I've obliged to feed on some of them. They continued to travel, the six of them, but were attacked by natives and eventually fled into the wilderness for protection. With a lack of supplies and many injured horses, they killed the horses and cut up the meat to eat 
and made snowshoes and other items out of their hides. The beaten path of the wild killed off any, many of the traveling six, leaving only two to dredge out the remaining hardships. Out of the two left a man named Burton. He became tired and ill, maybe even injured from the attack, but unconfirmed. He decided to stay behind in a little shack they found while Helm went to what I assume would be to find items they were in need of. Upon his return, he said he heard a gunshot go off in which Burton had shot himself in the head. But who knows if this is true or if Helm had killed him. He recalled that once he got back to the scene, he ate the meat off of one of Burton's legs to survive and wrapped the second leg up to bring with him on his journey. I think he just killed him for food. <laughs> mm, I think also. Throughout all of this, Helm had been carrying roughly $1,400 on him in which he managed not to spend because of handouts. He reached Salt Lake City with the help of yet another passerby and quickly became a wanted man for his actions. He had to flee from there and claim refugee with a nearby ranch owner who would shelter him from the law. Soon he moved to Oregon and picked up old habits of robbing individuals for a living. It seemed a pattern emerged as he, always been, as he was always drinking, causing problems, stealing, and being ran out of town. Him and another fugitive fled from Oregon together, but this would yet again become just another meal for him during his travels. He was apprehended by the law, but had other plans than going to jail. Helm had many siblings, 12 to be exact. Old Tex was considerably well off, and when in trouble with the law, he fled to his brother's rescue, paying off any witnesses or perps who could stand in the way of his brother's freedom. With no witnesses to address the stand, he was let off, fleeing to Texas with his brother. Isn't that funny? Old Tex went to Texas. <laughs> he returned to previous settlements, killing many more men with no, no reported cannibalism at this time. Montana authorities finally caught Helm, but no mention of his brother's involvement in the murders. There are no reports on what became of Old Tex. When he was captured, he was affiliated with a notorious gang ran by Harry Plummer. Helm and four gang members were arrested, and surprisingly, they were tried in secret, which seems oddly strange to me. Helm blamed other gang members and his friend for committing murders and crimes that he had actually committed himself. On January 14, in 1864, in Virginia City, Helm and other gang members were ex executed by hanging in front of a crowd of 6,000 people. As he witnessed his friend hanging, he is reported to have said, Kick away, old fellow. My turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a few minutes. When it came time for Helm to be executed, he showed his ultimate obsession with having control by saying, Every man for his principles. Hurrah for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. And then he jumped off what's known as a hangman's box before it could be kicked away from underneath him. The ultimate control to his ending. So what kind of cannibal was Helm? Unfortunately, not much insight or information is given to why Helm ingested victims due to the time frame it happened in and the lack of proper psychiatric care. But based on this story alone and my personal opinion, I could see him maybe being partially ritualistic and partially nutritional in the sense that maybe he just enjoyed the taste. In the account... The fact that there have been so many reports of cannibalism throughout history and some even in our current day and age 
The thought of very strong the thought of very strong mental illness must play a part in those who act on this account. One interesting fact is that there is actually no legal implication with the consumption of another human being. <laughs> All the results are generally oh, I know. <laughs> All the results are general charges of murder, necrophilia, and indecent acts performed on a deceased body. This is because that in many reported cases, the victim was actually has actually offered himself to the cannibal in question in some way or another by like replying to like an ad on like Craigslist or this They're or that. They're not replying to an ad to be like, you know, it'd be so great if you <laughs> fucking murdered me yeah. and then ate my body. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I agree. <laughs> but yeah. That's, That's the end of my story for this week. Wow. I thought it was pretty gross. Yeah, I don't get it. There's nothing interesting to me about eating another human. Nope, not interested. I feel like you'd get really sick. Yeah. I don't know why, but like everybody has different shit in their body. I can't, I just can't imagine it. I know. Ugh, so gross. Yeah. So this was episode five. We hope all of you guys enjoyed it and that you'll listen to episode six next week. Yes, please. Keep listening. And remember, everyone, always keep your wine glasses full. And don't get get murdered. murdered.